Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 is where we're going to be hanging out today. And we're in week number five of a seven-part series that we're calling How to Live Through a Bad Day. And the truth is, we all go through bad days. In fact, how many of you have ever had a bad day? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. If your hand is not up, they are coming, okay? Uh, Welcome to church. We're so encouraging here, okay? But bad days are coming. The question is, how do we get through them? How do we get through them? And so this is the theme verse that we've been looking at throughout this series. And I love how it starts. It says, in our lives, keep your eyes on Jesus, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this same race that we're in called life. And then it says, study how he did it. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're studying how Jesus had a bad day because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, including some really, really bad days, cross, shame, whatever. And in this series, we're looking specifically at Jesus's worst day. It was the day that he died for us on the cross. We actually call it today Good Friday. But it wasn't good for any of us. It was actually really, it was, it was only good for us. It was really bad for him. And so the Bible actually records throughout the first four books of the New Testament It tells this story of this bad day, and it has seven different statements that Jesus made on the cross. And so we've been looking at these seven statements, realizing that on that day, he wasn't just paying for our sins. He was actually teaching us some very important life lessons. And the Bible says this in Mark chapter 15, in verse 25. It says that it was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. It's important that you know this was the time where Jesus got on the cross. It was nine o'clock in the morning. But then it says three hours later, something supernatural happens. And we jump over to Matthew account of this story. And it says at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. So from nine o'clock in the morning till noon, he hung on the cross in the light. But at noon, an abnormal, supernatural darkness fell. And I like to think that a bad day got even darker. As if all of creation in that moment was sympathizing and mourning with God over what was happening to his son. And many scholars believe that it was during this time of darkness that for the first time in his existence, Jesus was separated from God. And not only that, that he was going through the process, the theological process of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, where it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin. That that's what was happening here. He was becoming sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That this is what was happening. That in that darkness, He was becoming sin to pay for our sins once and for all. And in this moment, this moment of darkness, Jesus cries out this sentence, which is the fifth statement of the cross that we're studying today in Matthew chapter 27 in verse 46. He says, my God, my God, why? Why? 
have you abandoned me? Why have you abandoned me? Maybe if your translations, it says instead of abandoned, it maybe says forsaken. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you deserted me? Why have you forgotten me? And in this literal darkest moment of Jesus's worst day, he says this powerful statement that teaches us. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write down this kind of of what we're talking about today. That when you're going through a bad day, aim your hard questions at God. Aim your hard questions at God. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for bringing us all here. Out of all of history, you've called these people into this room at this time, going through exactly what we're going through in our life. And God, I believe it's because you want to speak to us. And so God, what we know is that you are a God who speaks, but I ask that you give us ears to hear you today. We don't want to play church. We don't want to go through the motions. We want to hear directly from you so that we can walk out of here different and experience Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday different than if we didn't come here. So God, speak to us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Hey, how many of you know that there are different levels of bad days? Anybody know that? Like there's, like there's a lot of things that we call bad days, but there's different levels of bad days. Um, because sometimes we have a bad hair day and that's a bad day. It, you know, c- come on, come on, ladies. How many of you know that sometimes you spend the time, I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to get my hair did, and I, I'm going to make sure I get all, and then you walk outside and it's raining. I mean, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. There's, it's that level of bad day. And then there's another level of bad day whenever, you know, you, you just, you've, you don't feel like cooking and you feel, I mean, I'm going to go out to eat, but I'm, but I'm on a budget and I'm being economically responsible right now. And there's only one logical place to go whenever you're eating out on a budget and that's the Lord's chicken, Chick-fil-A, you know, Christian chicken, the gospel bird. Um, and so you get so excited thinking about what you're going to order And then you go there and you pull up and you see this sign and you realize it's Sunday, it's Sunday. That's a bad day. That's a bad day. And then there's other bad days like like my family and I experienced uh, last week, we actually experienced a a day where where my wife was, she packed up our kids and and, uh, got everybody in the car and started going out for a little retail therapy. She was going to go to Ikea up in Westchester and um, you know, she, she was going to go shop a little bit, a little home decor on a budget and, uh, decided to go out there and on her way there, the, the car broke down and over on the side of the road with two kids raining. I mean, bad day, bad day. And we, we had to get the, we had to get the car towed and all that type of stuff. And she didn't even get to go shopping. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a bad day. It's a bad day. But then there's the bad days that are on a whole nother level. You know, um, for me, I've had a few of those. It's like on Memorial Day of 2013, when my dad called me and told me that after 42 years of marriage that he and my mom were going to get a divorce. It's a bad day. Or the day that my wife and I were sitting across the, the table from a doctor in his office And he told us that our oldest son was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. That was a hard day. Um, And then there's bad days, um, like I experienced earlier this year, 
where I got a phone call from my dad's cell phone, but it wasn't my dad. It was actually a, a nurse, an ER nurse, telling me that my dad suffered an aortic aneurysm and was being rushed into emergency surgery and that he was fighting for his life. You know, we, we all have days like that, those type of bad days, those bad days where it feels like you just get punched in the gut, those bad days that most of the time we don't even see those days coming, and those bad days where like it feels like the only response that you can really have in, on those days is to throw your hands up, look to God, and say, why? Why? Why are we going through, like why am I going through this? I'm sure you've been there. And Jesus himself, here in Matthew chapter 27, has experienced that level of a bad day on the cross, where the Son of God, in excruciating pain and agony, he shouts, my God, my God, why? Why have you abandoned me? Why? And see, like theologically, Jesus was 100% God. But also he was 100% man. And I don't know if there's any other statement in the Bible that shows Jesus' humanity than this sentence right here. Where he says, in pain and agony, why? Why, why, why? And in this powerful statement, Jesus sets an example. And he gives us permission to question God. To go directly to God and ask him why. He didn't go to somebody else to say why. He went directly, my God, my God, why? Why? And he gives us permission and sets an example for us to go directly to God to ask him why. See, I grew up in a church where I didn't think you could do that. Like that was like against the rules. You don't question the big man upstairs, you know? But I want you to know that this, that this is a church where it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask why. It's okay to be here. And if that's you, welcome. Okay, this is not a country club for people who have it all together. Okay, this is a hospital for sick people. And some of us just got to the hospital a little bit earlier than you, okay? So it is, it is a safe place to ask why. But Jesus teaches us here in this verse, listen, God can handle your questions. God can handle your questions that are moments of our doubt. He can handle it. He can, he can handle our confusion, our pain, our hurt, our disappointment, our frustrations. Listen, God can handle it. That you're not the first and you won't be the last. He's not intimidated by those things and those thoughts and those questions. He's not surprised. In fact, I would argue that he wants it. And here's why because he sent his son to become sin, to pay for your sin once and for all, so that he can have a relationship with you, just for the chance to have a relationship with you. And like all good relationships, it requires honesty. And he don't wanna have a relationship with you where, he, where you can't be honest with him. And he wants to have a relationship with you where you can bring everything to him, where he wants that close, intimate relationship where you can bring everything to him and every close relationship requires honesty. So in these moments, these bad day moments where no person, the no family member, no parent, no friend, no, no, no pastor, 
It feels like no doctor, no, no book can give you an answer. Jesus models for us how to aim your hard questions at God because he can handle it. And I wanted to share some very practical things that I do on my really bad days when I've asked why. And let me give you an honest warning before we dive into the content of this, is that you're definitely not going to want to do this, okay? There's not going to be anything inside you that says, you know what, I feel like doing that on my bad days. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to be somebody who's always led by my feelings. I'm thankful for my feelings. I really am. I'm thankful that God wired us to feel and to have emotion, but I don't want to be led by them because they're awful leaders and they make terrible decisions, okay? And so what I'm about to tell you, you're going to have to make a choice even when you don't feel like it. So on my bad days, when life doesn't make sense, when when I don't see a, a way out, when I feel like there's no hope, when I don't have the answers, and when I ask why, I have to make the choice, here it is, to trust God. I know that that's hard. I know that when you hear that, you're like, I don't want to. But Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And so let me give you three very specific things to trust in on your bad days. And here's the first one. Trust in God's nature. You can trust in God's nature. In other words, you can trust in who God is, who he really is. You can trust in his character, his nature. And to do this, you have to have an accurate view of who God really is. I mentioned earlier, but growing up, I had an inaccurate view of God. I always pictured this old, cranky, angry, faraway God with a lightning bolt in one hand and a sledgehammer in the other, just waiting for me to mess up so that he could teach me, so that he could punish me. But that's not what this book says that he is. Listen to what this book says that he is in Psalm 103, verse 8. By the way, I'm going to pepper you with scripture today, okay? So Psalm 103, verse 8, it says, the Lord... Here's who he is. Here's his nature. He is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. In Psalm 145, this is like, this is going to be like six different scriptures in this one psalm. It says, God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. God is all mercy and grace. Not quick to anger. He's rich in love. God is good to one and all. Everything he does is suffused, meaning it is covered with grace. God gives a hand to those down on their luck, gives a fresh start to those ready to quit. Everything God does is right. The trademark on all his works is love. And not only does God love you, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says God is love. That he just doesn't love you, that he is love. So even on your bad days, that is who God is. That he's good, he's faithful, he pro- he's a provider, he's full of compassion, he's full of grace and mercy and truth, that he's always with you, that he loves you and he is love. That's who God is. 
And on your bad days, you can trust in God's nature. Here's the second thing that you can trust in. You can trust in God's promises. You can trust in God's promises. See this book right here? This book is full of promises. In fact, I did some research this week, and one source that I found said that there was 3,573 promises in this book. Come on, somebody. I found another resource that said there's 5,467 promises in this book. And yet another that said that there's 8,000 promises in this book. Now, here's the deal. I didn't have time this week to read through it myself completely and count every single one. But here's what I know after researching that. I don't know the exact number, but here's what I know. And every single one of those studies would agree, it's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of promises in this book. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, For all of them, all thousands of them, of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. That's rock solid that you can trust in every single promise of God. And that's why as a church, we're so passionate about our church diving into this, about reading your Bible, that it's not this old history book with these archaic stories that don't have anything to do with our lives, that it's alive, it's powerful, that this book is breathing. And we're passionate about our church engaging in the Bible. So that way, if you don't have a Bible, We'd love to give you one. We have free Bibles available each and every week. If you go to our info area in the lobby, some, and just somebody, will, somebody really nice will be there, okay? And you can just say, I don't have a Bible. Can I have one? Yes, we would love to give you a Bible. And there's also a lot of free Bibles on your phone. There's an app called YouVersion that has a whole bunch. But I'm kind of old school. I like my fingerprints all over my Bible. I like to mark it all up. It looks like Beautiful Mind if you look through here, okay? Like... I love, I love, I love, I love my Bible, okay? And listen, we don't want you to read it to just go through some spiritual motion. We don't want you to do it to just be religious or to mark off this, this spiritual discipline checklist. We want you to read your Bible so that you can get to know God, so that you can position yourself each and every day to not just on Sundays, because what if you get sick? <gasps> you know, what if you go on vacation? But like to, to more than just a Sunday, to position yourself in a way to hear God and to hear the promises of God. That it's so important to be able to position yourself so that you can hear, so that you can discover God's promises. Like this in Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And here's the promise, then you will. Not that you might, not that if you do every, like you will, if you do that, experience God's peace. It's, it's not just your peace. It's God's peace, which transcends everything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. James 1, 5, here's one of my favorite promises of God. If you need wisdom, anybody need some wisdom in church today? Anybody need some wisdom? You got a situation in life where you need some help? If you need wisdom, ask. Wait, 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 wait. So I, so I don't have to go to church every week? Wait, so I don't have to do all these things right? If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He's generous, 
and he will, not that he might, he will give it to you. There's wisdom that is promised to you today. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, even our bad days, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That even on your bad days, that God can take them and turn them into something good. That's what he does. He's a redeemer. And in 1 John 4, 4, that, that says that we're an overcomer because the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. And I even read this in my devos this week, in my time with God, Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5, it says, take delight in the Lord. Take delight in him. That's what we did the last few minutes. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And often we want the reverse. We want God to give us the desires of our heart, and then we'll delight in him. But the Bible says, the promise of the Bible says that if we delight in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. And then it says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. This book is full of promises. But write this down. You can't trust God's promises unless you know God's promises. You can't. You can't trust them until you know them. So trust in God's nature, trust in God's promises. And here's the last one, trust in heaven. Trust in heaven. You see, the Bible talks a lot about this man named Paul. And he's a, he's a Bible OG. I mean, he's a legend. Uh, he's one of the most famous Christians of all time. And he started a whole lot of churches. And uh, he actually wrote 13 of the 27 books, almost half of the New Testament. But Paul also had some bad days. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it actually, he lists like his resume of bad days. He's like, oh, you think you're having a bad day? Well, check this out. He says, I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, and at death's door, time after time. Oh, it gets worse. I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks. That's old school stoning once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and the day. In, in hard traveling year in and year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery, I don't even know what that is, but that sounds awful, and hard labor. Many a long and lonely night without sleep, M many, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold and even naked in the weather. Some bad days. I've, I mean, I've had bad. Those are bad days. Those are bad days. And that same guy who wrote that, the same guy who experienced every single one of those things, wrote this in Philippians chapter 1, in verse 21, where he said, For, for to me to live, to go through all that, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And to die, meaning, me no longer be here? Oh, that's gain. That's not bad. That's gain. And here's why. Because he said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. He said, this is why we never give up. Throw as many stones as you want to at me. Hit me as many times as you want to. I'll go through as many as bad days. This is why I don't give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. 
For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. This is the guy who went through all that stuff. And he says that our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see, heaven, that will last forever. See, the truth is there's going to be some things this side of heaven that we won't understand. There's some things that hurt. There's some things that are just hard. But like Paul, please church, we have to understand that just like Paul had this mentality, that we can have it too. That heaven is better than here. That is better than here. And see, many of us have lost loved ones. Some, it feels like we've lost them way too early. And it hurts. And we've mourned and we've grieved. And we miss them so much. And yeah, absolutely, they lost their life here on earth. But if they knew Jesus, they gained eternal life in heaven. That's way better than any life that we could ever live here. It's an incredible place with no more bad days, no more bad news, no more pain, no more crying, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more death, no more miscarriages, no more suicide, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more addiction, no more bankruptcy, no more divorce, no more loneliness, no more bills, no more debt, no more traffic, no more construction. It's an awesome place. Heaven is better than here. I want to end with this, that Jesus experienced the worst on earth so we can experience God's best in heaven. That's what Jesus did on that bad day. He experienced the worst on earth so that we can experience God's best in heaven. So on those bad days, aim your hard questions at God trust in his nature, trust in his promises, and trust in heaven. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and just ask right here in this moment, God, what are you speaking to me right now? What are you speaking to me? Maybe ask him this, like, what does my response need to be today? here's the truth. You can't trust in heaven. You can't have the hope of heaven without a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about church attendance or being a good person. I'm talking about that the creator of the world who spoke and everything that we see existed, that he wants a personal, close relationship with you. 
and that he wants to give you the best life that you could ever possibly live while you're here on planet earth. And then he wants to give you eternal life for forever. And it's better than any relationship, any substance, any amount of money, any job, any fame, any house, any possession. It's a life not void of bad days. I don't want to try to sell you something that you think that, okay, if I say yes to Jesus, that means no more bad days. But I promise you that even on your bad days, you can have something bigger than those. And it doesn't end there. That not only will he give you the best life that you could ever possibly live here on the planet, that we also get to spend eternity with him in heaven. And so maybe you've had a relationship with God in the past, but you've let it slip away. And today you're here in church and you feel so far from God. Or maybe you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus. You never had a relationship with him. Today is your day. And today you can start or restart a relationship with God. That we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. But I'm gonna lead a simple prayer And if you want to be included in that prayer, today you need to get right with God. I just want you to, without hesitation, right now, just raise your hand up in the air and say, right now, I want to get right with God. Include me in this prayer. I got you. I got you. I got you. Anybody else? I got you. I got you. I got you. Just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for what you've done for me. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Come live inside me, change me. You make me brand new. I surrender my whole life to you. And I choose to follow you today. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.